are your all-time favorite artists? The ones who inspired you from the very beginning and keep you coming back to the creative well. In other words, if someone were to examine your DNA, they would find images created by these names. Today's pod is on the topic of our personal Mount Rushmore of artists, the four names that inspired us as creatives and lovers of visual art. It was tough to do, but we pared it down to just four. So many to choose from. Uh, MC Wyeth, JC Landecker, Mary Cassatt, Charles Schultz, Lejai Masamoto, Bob Peake, Drew Struzan, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Jack Kirby, Neil Adams, John Byrne, Claire Windling, Jeffrey Jones, Thomas Blackshear, and the list goes on and on. Dwight Swain and myself treated it a bit like a hip-hop cipher, soundtrack included, where we each took a turn on the mic. But let me ask, who is on your Mount Rushmore of artists and why? To quote our friend Kathy Finner, we stand on the shoulders of giants, and this pod is dedicated to that premise. Thanks for listening, and thanks as always for your support. So you guys came up with your list. I got my list. Okay. Before we started recording, Dwight was saying that it was it was very difficult for him to uh, to pare it down to <clears throat> to the uh, the essential four for his his Mount Rushmore. Right. Uh, Adrian, was it tough for you? It was. It was, and also given you know the uh, the criteria that we agreed upon, because initially uh, we did want to do just you know the Mount Rushmore, you know, four comic artists, but uh, it was expanded out to four artists. Period. Right. That, you know, we felt if you cracked open our DNA and took a look under, you know, the electron microscope, you know, the best and most precise electron microscope, you would see elements of these four artists within, you know, our creative juices or the things that we like. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So given that criteria, yes. Yeah. Very, very tough. Yeah. Very tough. And, you know, there are tons when you really consider, I mean, they're just there are tons of artists. And that's why I wanted to expand it outside of comics, because, you know, I mean, there was a long time where it was all about cartoonists for me. It was all about Bill Keen. It was all about Charles Schultz. It was all about the Mad Magazine artists, Dave Berg and um, uh, Sergio Mort Drucker. Mort Drucker and Sergio Aragones. It was all about them. And then at a certain point, you know, it switched and I, I became enamored with, you know, the N.C. Wyatt's and the Howard Piles and the, um, you know, the, the Georgia O'Keeffe's and the, and, you know, of the world. And then, mm. you know, and then, you know, the fantasy artists and the fantasy painters and illustrators and, you know, and then the commercial illustrators, the Bob Peaks and the, uh, and the uh, Mitchell Hooks and uh, the uh, Alex Rosses, not the comic artist Alex Ross, but the. I know you're talking about the Golden Age illustrator Alex Ross, mm-hmm. and you know, and um, um, Frank Schoonover, and mm. you know, and uh, Mary Cassid, and mm. um, and then you know, getting you know Drew Struzans and Richard Amsels, and you know the Thomas Blackshears, and then you know you've got the you know the Claire Windlings, and the uh, you know moving into modern day, you know, just tons and tons and tons of artists 
that really, you know, I mean, it's like, like you said, you know, if you look at your DNA, like if you broke your leg, what's going to run out on the ground? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's inside? What's inside? What's inside tomorrow? What's, what's deep yeah, in tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. what's 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 going to pour out on the ground? You know that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we mm. use we use the term. You know, we've used the term on this show before. Mount Rushmore. You know, if there was a Mount Rushmore, it would be this person, this person, this person, and this person. And I started thinking about it. Um, you know, Mount Rushmore has the four presidents' faces. You know, carved into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. They were put there uh, to tell the story, as, as I read on the Internet today, to tell the story of the birth, growth, development and preservation of this country. And so that's what these four artists should mean to each of us as we lay out our um, our own personal Mount Rushmore's is our births, our growths, our developments and our preservations. You know, what keeps us coming back? you know, to, to, to the things that we like and we love visually, you know, these mm-hmm. are beloved influential figures. What keep, what keeps us coming back. Mm. But it, it was, it was, it was tough for me as well. It's, it's still tough. Like, look, I'm looking at, you know, my little notes that I jotted down. I'm like, and some of the Swiss uh, are so closely related and almost for like a better term derivative to where you where you think that's where your inspiration came from, that's not necessarily where it came from. You that 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 spurned your interest and, and got you further, but that's not really where the initial impact came from. That's not really resides inside of you. Like you may think that that particular artist is is part of who you are, but is it really, or is it something else that just was was it's along the way to a larger, who you really were? A part of a larger thread or a larger tapestry, if you mm-hmm, will, mm-hmm. and and some of that I actually have in mind to speak on when we when we start getting into specifics, mm-hmm. because, you know, I did want to kind of go back to the tap, so to speak. I didn't want to take a a, a river or a, a creek that was an offshoot of mm-hmm. of of you know of the main body of water. I wanted to go back to the main bodies of water, to the Great Lakes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and From really, Michigan, yo? <laughs> yeah, yo, yeah, yo, yeah, yo, Michigan, Erie, all, all them, <laughs> Superior, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Anyway, who wants who wants to start it off? I'll let Adrian go first, bro. Let's, let's let's do this. Let's 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 do let's do one for one. Let's not read the entire list at one time. Let's have, let's go one for one. Everybody reads one, comment on it, and talk about it. You know what I mean? Pass it around. Okay. That's cool. All right, cool. That'll work. All right, cool. cool. Like a cipher, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're blowing in their hands right? by the firelight. Put me in, son. Yeah. 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 Brah, brah. <laughs> one, two, one, two. <laughs> yo, what you think about that? I give you the mic, but make sure you pass it back. Right. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Well, number one for me, uh, the first head on my Mount Rushmore would be uh, Michael Golden. Okay. Um, if you cracked open my DNA as far as like my uh, my comics, you know, inking, um, the way that I apply color, um, a lot of those elements, they will find their way back to Michael Golden. Mm. You know, I do find myself, especially when I'm coloring certain comics, his palette is there you know 
Um, his inking is also highly influential as well. You can see touches of him, you know, in a lot of the image guys, a lot of the guys that came along in the late 80s and definitely the early 90s. And even perhaps not so much today, you know what I'm saying? But back then in that heyday, he was the guy, you know, and as he relates to me, it's for those elements. It's for his coloring and his inking and he is actually a pretty damn good storyteller as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain panels from, you know, his nom, his Avengers Ooh. annual, his Batman Ooh. special. His Doctor Strange, yo, get it. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> stuff Sir. where it's like you know them by heart. Yeah, yeah. Like you know them. Yeah. You can see them in your mind's eye very clearly. His Micronaut show, his Micronaut show. Ooh. Oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah. Talk your shit, sir. Yeah. Talk your shit. Yeah. So it's just... So for me, man, Michael Golden, he's he's the first head on my on my Rushmore. You know, he's someone when I am when when I am drawing or coloring, you know, comics work, you know, or in that arena, he crosses my mind, you know, constantly. You know what I'm saying? Me and Adrian, Adrian, you remember when we were you, we were uh, moving some of your stuff, and we were in the moving truck, and we started talking about uh, Michael Golden. Oh man, we was having church. We were having right church there. up in there, sir. We was up in there. We was up in there catching the Holy Ghost on some yeah. Michael Golden love, yo. I understand. I understand. Man. I understand. The exactly. Man. The organ was playing. Doom, 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 Hold my mule, sir. I'll praise him right here. <laughs> he, he is. He is worthy, man. He is worthy, and I, I gotta say, man. Um, we had a we had a conversation with him back in our first inst first installment of, of Sidebar, and um, yeah, I, I left nonplussed by his attitude. But the more and more that I know and understand what this business is, I totally get where he's coming from. Yeah, you have to you have, you have to maintain a certain kind of detachment from the from the work that you're doing, so that you can be a, a, a good quality draftsman, a good quality professional. Because when you get too mm -hmm. deep into the side the side of what we get into as fans, you don't necessarily have the kind of you know. Uh, um, uh, altitude and aptitude to create the finish the work the way you need to. Mm -hmm. So you can't get, you know? Yeah. And, you know, most industries are not lucky enough to have, quote, fans. Mm -hmm. So most people, I think, in any, in any business industry, what have you, any field, you know, they do approach their work like it's work. It's, I'm a professional, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Dwight. When I, when we interviewed him originally, I kind of left like, okay, wow, you know, he's really not into it, mm -hmm. but he's just into it as a job, but, you know. Yeah, job, <laughs> yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so. passing the mic to you, D, go ahead. To me? Okay. Yeah. This is a non, this is a no certain order, which I'm doing these two. It's like, it's not, it's not like a first, second, third, fourth. It's just, these just got yeah, sure, people sure. up there. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, my first one, man, I put down. I actually the two the two first ones I put down. I'm not, I can't put them on there because it's, I found that they were just like they they were they were they were interests, but they were fleeting. Like I I can see how it affects my work. I know specifically how one affects my work, but I, I still can't put them on there because the other was much much more influential. So the first one I put on there is um, Lejai Matsumoto, man, from Star Blazers. Mm, okay. Mm. Mm. Anybody knows me, man, knows Star Blazers. As a, as a kid, as an adult, meant the world to me, man. Even now, as I design my own stuff, that 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 technical aspect, that, that and the mastery of craft that those guys and that guy in particular as a lead put into 
the 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 ship designs, the character designs, the the all all the the worlds, just 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 masterful. I mean, beyond beyond words. I mean, mm-hmm. when I saw Gamelon for the first time, you know, I was like, wow, this is a creepy ass place to be, man. Look look at this thing. It's just it's falling apart from the inside. I know why they're trying to leave the planet now. I know why they're trying to get destroy Earth because they're trying to get someplace that they can feel like they can live and stuff. When I saw when I saw how uh, Space Cruiser Yamato, when I saw how the ship was was inside the, the dying crust of the Earth from the radiation on top of it, and how it, it broke free from the from the from the basin of the Earth and and shook off in this brand new thing that came out like a phoenix out of, out of out of the ground, I was shook, man. As a kid, I was like, mm. "What the fuck?" I mean, I was like, I was like, "Wow." So I mean, I mean, he's just he's just he's a master, man. I mean, beyond 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 like comp- and he's still alive, dude. Lejai is still alive, dude. Mm. Yeah, man. I think he's like in nineties, early nineties, but he's 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 up there. Let me take a look at your nine DB and see, see what it says real quick. Um do 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 Yeah, he's born nineteen thirty eight, man. Yeah, and he's still alive. Mm. So he's he's Damn. yeah. He's still doing it, bro. <laughs> he's still doing it, man. And you know, and then of course I came across Galaxy Express ninety nine nine ninety nine ninety nine when he was because that was part of the whole Japanese animation scene when I was growing up as a yeah. kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. But it, it pales in comparison to the the I'm prone to, I'm prone to, to operatic stuff anyway, and some of my other choices in, in, in the list are are because they're operas because they're they're about you know uh, struggles of humanity and and, and and idealisms of of characterization. That's where you're gonna find a lot of my list repeating itself anyway. So I mean that's yeah definitely Jean Matsumoto man, my 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 my, my I doff my cap to you sir. You know. Yeah, yeah, mm. and and you know, in terms of your love of that kind of material, the look mm-hmm. of it, the feel of it, mm-hmm. the nature of it, I mean, I understand why you were drawn to maybe something like the uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, yeah, uh, that you like so much, and you know, your love for Symbiotic Titan, you know, when mm-hmm. it came out, mm-hmm. um, and and other things like that, you know, things closer to you know, uh, Space Cruiser Yamato, like you know, Battle of the Planets. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know Ninja Science Gachaman and you yeah. know and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and and even for me, like not realizing at the time when I'm watching like Prince Planet mm-hmm. or Speed Racer that those all yeah. came from the same place. Again, going back to the original body of water. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, man. That's I didn't. But you know when we when you and I had that conversation on the show and you talked about uh, Battle of the Planet. I mean, excuse me. Um, Star Blazers. Uh, Star Blazers. And I was like, oh, because I don't think I'd ever heard you really like wax poetic as much as you did on that episode about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the show and, and how much you uh, how much you dug it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was that was that was great to hear. Uh, I am going to say my first face and name on my personal Mount Rushmore of artists is going to be Neil Adams. OK. Mm-hmm. OK. Mm-hmm. OK. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, mm. <laughs> and you know looking at my list now it was is well i'm not sure if everybody on this list is, is gone but three of the four are definitely gone mm-hmm. mm. uh and neil most recently but you know neil adams was Oof. an artistic force to be reckoned with um yes. he was truly undeniable undeniable nigh <laughs> you are a liar if you say Neil Adams doesn't go hard because he goes hard. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, you know the the naturalism in his work, 
the the weird force perspectives that he would use. N- not necessarily the greatest storyteller in the world, or at least you know that's right. not what you know him for. Mm-hmm. You know him for his illustration hand. You know him for his likenesses. You know him for the um, body dynamics. Yeah, body dynamics, and you you know him for the uh, the very naturalistic look to his his work. Although mm-hmm. it was still cartoony in a way when you really look at it it still was very cartoony and neil had a background in doing you know cartoony work you know what what we call bigfoot Mm -hmm. uh back in the day but neil adams made me want to draw and made me want to draw comics even though even as a kid i knew i would never be as good as he was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know he had that kind of inspiration to people where they would try to draw like him Mm -hmm. but you were never going to be as good as he was. As a matter of fact, I had never heard a term like this before, Neil Adams. A Neil Adams imitator. That's how influential he was. Yeah. That was a term oh, yeah. that people used in this in the eighties and the nineties. A Neil Adams imitator. Yeah, man. You know mm-hmm. to, to answer your point, um, you know, when we go to when we go to, to conventions for portfolio reviews, you have several people in line with portfolios and hands, and, and and they would often the critique they would get was, "Well, I see, I, they, I see doing, the, I see like Neil Adams, I see like you know, right. I see like <laughs> right. that was that was the first right. thing he said, you know, <laughs> it's right. like wow, right, wow." But you know, the thing is, it's like a Neil Adams imitator. You know, I remember those. I remember talking to Don about you know Neil Adams imitators, and mm-hmm. but you know, like Neil Adams got me to folks like Bill Sienkiewicz, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Mike Nasser. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Alan Davis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and eventually to like Brian Hitch. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there are others you know that I could mention, um, but you know, what I'm saying it's like he 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 just was a just an undeniable figure in comics. Probably the second most influential comic artist, other than Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Probably number mm-hmm. two. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and again, you know, like uh, I look at his work even today and I'm still just like, God damn, this motherfucker could draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could draw, yo. Mm-hmm. If, if ever there was a he draw good. Yeah. That mother- that motherfucker drew good, yo. Yeah, man. Hey, Swiss, let me ask you this. What's what's your what's your favorite Neil Adams? Do you, do you have one? Uh, a comic or you just an image or what? Uh, it could be an image or, or, or a comic, you know, either one, sir. Those, those Tarzan paintings are incredible. Mm. That Billy Jack painting from, uh, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I love the, uh, the Dead Man stuff back in the day. Mm. And I truly love the, uh, the horror, uh, cover comic covers that he did for like House of Mystery and House of Secrets. Yeah. You know, because there were always people who were whose styles were a little seemed a little more appropriate who would do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, and then when he did it, it was like, oh, but he still made it work, though. Yeah. Like that that little girl looks very haunting, you know, and, you know, running up the road towards this dark mansion. And, you know, it's just I mean, he, he, he was a guy and he couldn't do everything like a lot of that Marvel stuff doesn't hold up. The X Men, you know, that it doesn't really hold up. Not to me, mm. but his DC stuff is fantastic. His Superman is fantastic. Dead Man was wonderful. Batman, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. 
Batman. Oh my God. Oh my God. Rachel Ghoul, the demon sir. lives. Oh yeah. Oh my come God. On, bro. Oh my hands, God. Come on. Hands down. Come on. Hands down, sir. The, the 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 panel where Batman has his cowl on, but he's shirtless and he's got that hairy masculine yes, chest. Yo. Yes, yo. And he, and he pulls Talia in and he kisses her. Yes, yo. I remember yeah. being a teenager thinking, I one day I want to feel that way about a woman. I want I want I want that kind of masculine feminine energy intertwined. I want that. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is that I'm looking at that some guy drew in a comic book, mm-hmm. I want that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he conveyed yeah. that. I mean, Batman had never been presented as a masculine virile almost near sexual uh person before then later on of course you know they explore that a lot with um marshall rogers Rogers and And steve 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 Englehart. you know where batman actually had a love life bruce had a love life Mm -hmm. batman didn't have a love life but bruce had a love life but Mm -hmm. you know that kind of masculine energy was just like oh my god it was like it was incredible you know and it was i was like this is in a comic yeah yeah. This is in a yeah. comic book, you know. Yeah. yeah, you just hadn't seen it before. And then he was driving that cool ass uh, Corvette, that tricked out Corvette. <laughs> right. You know that yeah. was that, you know like a third or fourth incarnation of the Batmobile, and you know that was Neil. Mm-hmm. You know, having Batman only show up at night that was Neil. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow. You know, bringing in <sighs> politics and Sir. you know black black characters and oh trying God. not to pl- play them short shrift and calling them correctly and drawing black faces that actually look like black faces that I knew and that I saw and looked like my uncles and my brothers. I mean, the guy was, the guy just did it all, man. Brilliant, man. Yeah. And was just, and was a champion for creators rights on top of everything else, you know? Mm. So, Mm. uh, I got to give it up to Neil Adams. He's, he's my, he's, he's my, my number one. Rolling into my number two, the, the second phase of my Mount Rushmore of artists. Um, that's going to be a Bob Peak. Okay. Like, Sorry. man, Bob Peak. the first time I encountered his work, you know, um, obviously I didn't know who he was. It was as a younger man when I was just starting to get into movies. And everyone knows what they felt when they first saw the image for Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. that particular poster. Yeah. Oh my God. On the yeah. Oh my God. VHS box cover or whatever. You know what you <laughs> felt when you saw that for the first time. And it was only later <coughs> that I was like thunderstruck when I found out this guy Bob Peake did that in, in addition to numerous, innumerable other images mm-hmm. for all these classic movies. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman the movie. You know, Star Trek, um, the motion picture ball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just all these other movies. Not Cam- not Camelot. Uh, Excalibur. Yeah. Excalibur. Excalibur. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Rollerball. Yeah. Yes. Is it rollerball already? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. yes. And, and these are these are indelible. And so this was after art school that I really started getting into Bob Peake. Mm. You know, I actually didn't know of him even while researching, you know, all these artists in you know, art school. Wow. Uh, but when I came across his work, he really struck me, you know, as far as like, you know, 
for me, as it relates to me, it's the the flourishes that he puts into his work, especially as far as like color, but also his design sense as well. You know, now you can easily say that his work is of a time and a place. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. When you look at it, it is of a time that being like the 70s or late 60s, -hmm. you know. And you know exactly what period it's set in, mm-hmm. you know. But beyond that, though, you know, the the elements that form formulate his work are still timeless. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Great composition, great draftsmanship, and great color are timeless and transcend no matter what time period work is created in. You know what I'm saying? And that's what he does for me, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, that's why he's the number two for me because... I think about him when I'm putting compositions together, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? As far as like montages mm-hmm. where you're having like, you know, multiple characters or, you know, things like that, where you're having to balance this and, you know, a, a, a big head goes here, but you got to have action that's going to be happening inside of, you know, the comic or this story happening somewhere else on the cover, but still make it all relate with the color follow that S curve or whatever design sense to move your eye through the image, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was such a master of that. And just every time I look at his work, I get so, so juiced, man. I get so jazzed, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So yeah, number two for me on my Rushmore would be Bob Peake. You know, the thing too about Bob Peake in terms of like montages, some of his most famous images are not that. When you really mm-hmm. think about it, like Star Trek, the motion picture, Apocalypse Now, I don't believe is that uh, Superman, I don't believe is that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it, most rollerball is definitely not that. It's just a close up of the face, isn't it? Oh, the fist, yeah, the fist mask. And, and, and the spikes, spike fast. With the spikes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really just singular images that he, you know, that I really seen as some of his his more more, more classic, uh, uh, classic images. But um I mentioned Neil Adams getting me to Bill Sienkiewicz. Bill Sienkiewicz actually got me to Bob Peake. Mm. Mm, okay. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. With, you know, the, you know, the covers that he was painting in the eighties and the multimedia, you know, he's, he's using airbrush and colored mm-hmm. pencil and watercolors and basically anything in the kitchen sink, you know, he's throwing it on the canvas of the illustration board to make the picture work. And then I found out later reading interviews with him that, Oh, you know, that Bob Peake was a big influence in terms of, that particular approach to picture making, you know, kind of guerrilla style, you know, just like, ah, just put it together and just kind of MacGyver it and just make it work or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. so that, that got me there. But you want to say something, uh, D? No, I agree. Well, I was going to say, if you look closer at that, that Bob, that Bob Peak image rollerball, there are smaller characters on there. There, there's a, there's, there's a few little small things which lead into the movie where there's a, there's a little small, um, um, silhouetted and white, um, uh, characters wearing white hoods. Mm. And I think that those that's, that's, that's part of the I think it's part of the audience that there was in in the in the, in the, in the, in the movie. So yeah, it's it's really really yeah. He he was he was a master man without a doubt, dude. So, whew. so huh. <laughs> this next next artist man, um, it's twofold for me, um, maybe even threefold for me for various reasons. Um, when I first saw his work a long time ago, and I saw just the, the pure grace. And, and and elegance of his line work, and but 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 dramatic and, and melodramatic and 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 muscular and, and 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 physical, I was like, wow, I want to do that, you know, 
and and it, it blew me away, man. And um, uh, he's he's a he's an artist writer. He's he's a he's a painter, and actually he's he more than Sinkevich, He brought me into into what um, I expected from a painter in comics. I'm talking about Jim Starlin, yo. Mm. Mm. Goddamn, goddamn Jim Starlin, bro. When Jim Starlin, when Jim, mm. when Jim Starlin broke, breaks on that warlock, yo. And well, let's let's, let's go backwards from the painterly side of it. That metamorphosis odyssey, bro. Metamorphosis odyssey, yo. Mm. Yes, sir. What the f- yes, sir. F- <laughs> Speak on it. That 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 was done with like such grace and style, man. And just just, just there's a there's a there's a there's a, a sixty psychedelica that goes along with it. Yeah, it's incredible. But at the same time, it's like you just see he knows how to handle like like shadows and shades and and, and points of impact and, and 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 gradients and just like it was just it was just juicy, man. I feel like I was watching uh, what I expected from a heavy metal movie. And 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 that you know he was just I mean mm-hmm. it's just brilliant masterwork and, and he freaked it, man. I mean. Vanth Dreadstar was first introducing that, doing that. That sword he had, man, how it made that the energy like 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 balloon out from it and and, and showed mm-hmm. the full Man, I just I just I lost it, Swizz. I mean when I when I saw it when I saw it what you, what you can do, how you could be be a painter inside of comics and you saw like the the, the blood in the snow and and the and the you know how he, how he handled like decapitation and it was just it was just like it's like wow, this is like watching Errol Flynn, you know, watching someone one of those one of those uh, you know, it was it was it was brilliant, man. Absolutely brilliant, man. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was hooked on. I was hooked on like like paint and comics from that point on, you know. Um, and then of course, and this was this was the era of of heavy metal and yeah, epic, epic magazine. magazine. Yes, sir. Yeah, so so painterly stuff was was very in vogue then. Yeah, and and yeah. he made the leap from you know comics and line work and four color coloring mm-hmm. to painter in, with Metamorphosis Odyssey. And I remember I remember those days too. And I was like, damn, Jim Starlin is killing it. Like he's. Yeah, he's taking a, a step forward. He was for me. He was one of the. I said this before. You know, he was one of the first writer artists. Where I was like, no, this guy is a writer and an artist. Mm-hmm. This guy is the is the whole. St- he's the whole storyteller in one. You know, those duties are don't have to be split with him. And it was, you know, and it was weird because it's like, wow. Then he started writing for other people. You know, he writes stories that other people would illustrate, and those would be great. You know, you mm-hmm. like that. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So a lot of writer artists in comics you see is like, okay, write for somebody else and still make it good. Mm-hmm. Then let's. Yeah. Let's then mm-hmm. let's see how good how good a writer you actually are. Yeah, man. The thoughtfulness he put in every stroke, man. And of course, you know how I feel about about Dreadstar, and, because Dreadstar was a spinoff from that, as far as comics goes. Yeah. And he just brought it. He brought it. He, he, he brought his full his full juices into it with, with Lord Papalio, Lord Papalio with no nose and whatnot. You know, the big the big bruiser. Mm-hmm. Man, I, man, come on, dude. I mean, I, yeah, he, he may have been they, they, he may have been doing a little bit of Star Wars and and and, and Vader and all that stuff, but he he was different, man. I remember when Lord Papal. When he, when he, when when uh one of his one of his underlings ta- attacked Lord Papal, man, because he had he had inadvertently killed his killed his children or killed his wife or killed somebody, and he and he took the blast full on, turned around, and it's, it's like, I understand that you're upset with me, but that was not the way to that, but that was not the way to approach it. He just fries mm-hmm. this dude, man, and it's this brilliant arc of energy just comes out of out of, out of it, and it's like this, it, it's just like it's like, and it's just, you see, you felt you felt you felt this guy like deteriorate in front of you, he's like, oh. You know, yeah, <laughs> and I, I, and I, and I, man. It was it was it was gorgeous, man. And then uh, the last thing I want to say about him, of course, is is Warlock. And mm. there's a couple times when he peaked for me on Warlock, and one of them was when um, he did a he did a cover that Dan Green inked, where it was Magus versus Warlock on the front of it, and and it was like, wow, this guy, 
the, 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 the soldiers that were part of the, the zealotry religious group that were all around it. He drew every individual soldier in that, man. He did, he did, he did some George Perez type stuff in that, dude. <laughs> I was like, wow, wow. This man is just, he's got, he's firing all cylinders, man. He, you know, he can make you feel like, he can make you feel, he can make you feel about, about death and, and it calls you, give you pause. And, and Swiss, I know you talked about the death of Captain Marvel, you know, and mm-hmm. how that was, that was, that was a, a titular point for you. You know, I, I, that, that only Jim Starlin could do that, man. He, he was known for, uh, he had a better rap for a period of time where he was known for being the, the, the Terminator, yo. You know, he's right. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the character killer. Yeah, yeah. He just, yeah. He, his pen was like a scythe. The character carried it, carried it inside his pocket, yo. He's like, he's like okay, I, if we want to get rid of a character in a nice way, elegant way, we'll get Jim on it, you know? So, but yeah, he was, was brilliant, man. Yeah. Man, you know, I, I'll say this as well. Um, to your credit, too, D. Um, the first time that I read Warlock was, do you remember back in the uh, back in the eighties? Uh, Marvel used to come out with these backs to paper reprints. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? They would do like miniseries where they would reprint these classic issues. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I read Warlock for the first time. And when I say when I discovered, you know, that stuff in that format, mm-hmm. that was. It was the closest thing to having a head trip without any type of hallucinogens <laughs> or mind altering drugs. Like that stuff was just like, wow, like mind expanding, just like, man, this is on something else. Plus the colors, the story. I mean, when, you know, Warlock confronts his alter ego, the Magus, you're like, yes, man. Yes, Whoa. man. Yeah. Holy he, cow. He erases the timeline so the Magus can't exist. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my this God. was just <laughs> did that, great. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 probably you. I mean, again, you know, when you talk about like number, you know, one A's and one B's, or you know, number ones and number twos, probably created Marvel's cosmic line. <sighs> Maybe Marvel's number one or number two greatest villain in Thanos. Yeah. Mm, mm. I mean, you got like Thanos and what, like Galactus, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, you know, and, and wait a minute. And Thanos was the shit way before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, Let's yeah. not oh, get yeah. it twisted. Oh, yeah, of course. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah. He was oh, awesome yeah. way before all of that. But, you know, but like maybe the greatest, maybe the greatest villain creation since Lee and Kirby. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, like the greatest one, and it still endures to this very day. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jim, Star- when I think about Jim Starlin, man, I be think, I think in my man, man, that, those were some good ass comics. Yo. Yes, yo. <laughs> yes, those yo. were some good ass. Like, yes, sit down yo. and just pour yourself into some good ass comics. Oh yeah, my man. god. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, still to this day. <laughs> yep. My number two is going to be the late, great, often celebrated, and still to this day, to me, underrated Alex Toth. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. uh, I refer to him as the draw father. 
you know. Nice. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Um, anyway, I, I have loved everything that Alex Toth has ever done, some to greater degrees than others. Um, you know, going back to, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the stuff that he did very early in his career when he was really more under the influence of, of, of his, his, his heroes and his Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, to when he started to simplify um, his his comic artwork, you know uh, the Batman story. Is it uh, what? Hell flies the haunted skies, or what is it? Oh, death flies. Death the flies haunted the haunted skies. skies. Oh my God, that is probably that is probably one of my top five favorite comic stories of all time. Mm, mm. Yeah, and yeah, just. Is an, it's just, it is just a feat. Um, but the simplicity of line work, the focus on composition and the placing of blacks, the less is more approach to, uh, to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his, his work in animation, you know, he gets me to Super Friends. He gets me to the Herculoids. Yes, He yo. gets me to Johnny Quest. Yes, yo. He gets me to Scooby-Doo. Preach, bro. You know, Preach, uh, <laughs> you know, he he gets me to Zorro. You know, other than the old black and white, you Ooh. know, TV shows and movies that I used to watch when I was a kid. You know, Summers in Chicago and WGN, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yes, yo. Um, you know, he gets me to the John Paul Leones. He gets me to the Howard Chakins. He gets me to Toby Cypress. He gets mm-hmm. me to Cliff Chiang. Mm-hmm. He gets me to David Mazzucchelli, who sends me back to Alex Toe. David Mazzucchelli starts to to to. To imbue his work with Alex Toth, Isms. you know, in 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 in, uh, in Batman Year One, and then that sends me back to Alex Toth, and even some of the kind of oddball s- stuff that he did in the eighties, um, the Fox, mm-hmm. um, he did some covers, you know, he do covers kind of here and there. I mean, anyway, he's just he has just always just been a a, a master to me and. One of those people where immediately the work and the approach to the work just spoke to me instantly. Swiss. It, there was no disconnect. There was no ramp up. It was just straight from zero to 60. Boom. I'm on board and I'm hanging on for dear life. So Alex Toth would be my uh, my second face on sir, my Sir, to, 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 to keep on talking about Alex Toth, man, before I even knew who he was, I knew who he was. Right. You know? Uh, you know, as a kid, you know, we had these things in school, especially up north, called weekly readers. Remember those? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we had them down here. Oh, yep. yeah. And, oh yeah, and and that would be a thing that they, they pass them around, and you could order things out of the weekly readers. And one of the things I ordered was a, was a Super Friends poster done by Alex Toth, bro. Oh, and it was, sir, absolutely incredible, man, absolutely incredible. And and the, and the second season when they went to uh, the challenge of the Super Friends, where it was no longer just the Super Friends coming up and done by it was it was the 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 the, the uh, um, oh, what was it the uh, what was the league that was uh, the the bad the bad league that was against not not the what, what was it the, the Legion of Doom? Legion of Doom yeah yo they they they, they ran they mm-hmm. run each other from across the screen yo and a, and a, in a profile I was like, oh man this is yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this shit man. I can't I can't wait to sit and watch this man and Saturday morning cartoons aren't like that anymore there's no more Saturday morning cartoons dude everything is like turning to mm. everything's turning to Toonami or, or Cartoon Network and or some kind of educational program on, on Saturday mornings man yeah you're, you're hard pressed to yeah. find a cartoon man it's just like more uh, gentler times, but don't get me wrong. They were they were they were they were pumping us full of programming. Uh, Apple Pie and and the latest toy gadget was out there, and 
and and, and frisbees and yo-yo competitions, yo. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, I remember. I I ordered the Spider-Man plastic web shooters that you would strap to your wrist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it would shoot the the the, the suction. With yeah, the string yo. on it, and it would yeah, catch onto the refrigerator. It had a little, had a little streamer it, on it. The end of it. it was still yeah, streamer. yeah, yeah. I ordered, I ordered that. But wow. one, one last thing about Alex Toth is, is you really don't get Bruce Tim and the Bruce Tim's uh, animated universe, Batman the animated series, Batman Beyond, Justice League Un- Unlimited, uh, the Superman Adventures. You don't get any of that stuff without Alex Toth. Mm-hmm. You don't get any. You, you don't get Bruce Tim as the Bruce Tim we know him to be today, back in the '90s, without the influence of Alex Toth. But mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass the mic back to Adrian. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. My third uh, face on my personal Mount Rushmore. Um, at the top of the episode, Swizz, you had mentioned, you know, part of the criteria, if you will, was, you know, kind of like, you know, the birth and um, growth and, you know, it kept you coming back. You know, um, the names on this list, the illustrious names on, you know, these lists are things that uh, contain several of those properties, you know, mm-hmm. and um, this particular man, um, he was there, the, the birth of me coming into the hobby and he definitely has me coming back to his particular work. Um, and <laughs> this might be a surprise, though, but my third would actually be, believe it or not, Jim Apparel. Okay. Jim Apparel. Okay. Oh, I'm not yeah. surprised by that. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm on board, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. Batman the Outsiders, yo. Yes, Batman the Outsiders. Um, I first encountered Jim Apparel um, in two, two books around the same time. Um, I found like uh, a cheap, um, back issue. It was like a hundred page spectacular um, at a comic shop. I got it for two dollars, mm-hmm. um, and this was back in nineteen ninety four or so. And within, and you were speaking about Toth earlier. It's that that particular issue had uh, a lead off uh, detective comic story with Jim Apparel called Death Mask. Mm. That was great. Mm. But inside of that same one, though, there was also Death Flies the Haunted Skies. This is okay. uh, Detective Comics 442. Right. And inside of that same issue was an installment of that Simonson Goodwin Manhunter. So, I have that issue, sir. I have the <laughs> yes. issue of which you speak. And it is yes. fire from the rooter to the tutor. Nice. <laughs> yes. And then rounded off with some other golden age stories. It's like, oh man, this is crazy. But apparel, even then for me, I was like, I, 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 for whatever reason, I started glomming on to him, but it wasn't until I, the second book I'm going to mention for him. That's where it solidified for me. And that's when I got a paperback of the uh, reprint of a death in a family um, mm. that he did. Um, that was written by another name on this, you know, Rushmore list, just Jim Starlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was apparel being inked by uh, Mike DiCarlo. Mm-hmm. So you have that classic team right there in the mid 80s, like 87 through 1988, mm-hmm. 89, mm-hmm. Um, doing like, you know, several classic Batman stories. And for me right there, mm-hmm. that's that's Jim Apparel for me. I love Batman the Out- Outsiders. I-, I love his 80s work. But it's like right there where he reaches like that 87, 88 Batman. That's it. Nice. That's nice. it okay. right there. Okay. I, as a fellow apparel lover, 
My apparel is the Brave and the Bold. And the Spectre. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. The, the run on the Spectre for me was sublime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it was just mm-hmm. sublime. It was like, oh, this is so wonderful. And he's he's such an underrated draftsman and such an underrated um, storyteller. Storyteller. Mm-hmm. And again, just good, solid mechanics with a little something extra on there, but just mm-hmm. good solid mechanics, mm-hmm. and uh, and just just a, a just a beautiful line maker, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he and he was a metronome too, in that he could handle two books monthly, no problem. In addition to when he's doing those two books, one of them, like Brave and the Bold, he would draw ink and lettering. Yes, and get those things out. Yeah, monthly. Yeah, I remember seeing the byline. I remember seeing the, the byline. I was like, what the hell? Damn, Jim. You know, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get all the monies, yo. I'm trying to get all of it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's one of those. It's just like, you know, for that, for his, um, you know, not just his actual work, but his workmanship, mm-hmm. um, the craft that he put into it, and just the sheer fact that when you pick up one of his books, you know exactly what you're going to get. And as I've stated here on the mics on this very show, as well as elsewhere, you know, there's a comfort to that, mm-hmm. knowing exactly what you're going to get when you pick up a Jim Apparel comic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I went to the comic shop um, recently um, in the last couple of weeks, and I dug through the quarter bin. And, D, I got, you know, a straight issue of Batman and the Outsiders. Ooh. And, you know, I was, I, I was smiling because it's like when you get like a nice, warm bowl of mac and cheese <laughs> you know so that your mom makes or that your aunt to your favorite aunt makes and you're just like man this hits the spot man you, you, you turn instantly back to being 10 years old mm-hmm. like you, yeah. you you know it's gonna be satisfying sir you mm-hmm. know it's gonna be satisfying mm-hmm. yep yeah. mm-hmm Next one, I was going to get off my chest because there is no other. He's, he's he's peerless. I was waiting on your energy, son. Go ahead. I was waiting on it. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, you know <laughs> he's 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 peerless, yo. Um, people like people in front of him, you know, all you want to. You can say what you want to say about the man, but I mean, this this guy he wrecked shop in the industry for a long period of time, and and there would be no fucking Marvel comics without this guy, man. After what he what he set up, I'm talking about John fucking Byrne. John I knew fucking you Byrne. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> John fucking Byrne, yo. I mean John Lindley. Byrne. That's Byrne. it, yo. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, okay. Let's just let's just put let's just put the, 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 the stellar the stellar way he, he did the X-Men to the side. Let's put it to the side. Mm. Let's talk about let's talk, let's talk about draftsmanship. Let's talk about let's talk about believable mm. organic metallic Creatures and spaceships, yo. Let's talk about no, nobody. Mm. Nobody could do that better than him. Nobody no. could do that better than mm. him. Nobody. No, nobody, yo. Mm. And I mean, and yeah, he may have been a Neil Adams imitator to a greater or less degree. Not even Neil could do what he could do technically. I mean, as far as, as far as far as those 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 items go. So I mean, I, I mean, 
you know, when you look at his, his website, it's, it's, it's Burn Robotics. Why? Because he started off with that, that, that ROG 2000, and just mm-hmm. mm-hmm. nothing's ever been the same since then. He, I mean, he's, he's just, he just gets it, man. He gets the he gets the subtleties of how things fit together and 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 how and how these things they 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 work. They work. I mean, you look at you look at a spaceship. You look at you go on a panel on one of the spaceships and the shit and a Shi'ar cruiser. And you look at the the the, the engineers sitting down there, the, the pilots that sitting down there doing their thing. You know, no doubt that shit works. You know what I mean? I don't, you know, there's no reason why it won't work. Mm. You know, you you look at how, you look at how those those um and when uh when when they were on uh. When the Imperial Guard, when they're on the blue, the blue, the blue period, the blue period, the blue, the blue part of the, of the, the moon, blue, blue era, and, and, yeah. and they were they were fighting up there, yo, and the, and, the, and the robots were fighting against the, against Wolverine, and one jumped out of his back and jumped on Wolverine and, and jumped on a, a Nightcrawler. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no. You look even even look look at how look at how um he he uh he he, he took down Galactus, yo. Mm. Look how look how look how Galactus deteriorates to the point where he's almost dead, yo. And it took it to him and being. I mean, come on, man. This guy's a master, yo. Look at. I mean, I mean, just it's just no, it's no front. No, I mean, he's. I mean, this guy. Um, I mean, regardless of how cartoony he may be at times, and how 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 formulaic he became later on down the line after after X Men, he always, like you said, he always, he always felt good. You got into a John Byrne comic, John Byrne, Chris Claremont, Terry Austin combination, and you felt like you were at home, man. My first experience yeah. with him, my first experience with him that really put that put that put the icing on the cake. As far as it goes, it's X Men one twenty five, mm. and that's 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 when that's when Jean Grey is being tested by by a Mormon Taggart to the true extent what her powers are, and and there's just this there's just this like naturalistic warmth on her body with the shadows cascading across it, man. This is fucking unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. I mean, I mean, you, you can't you can't you can't you can't get much better than that. To, even to this day, man. Anybody wants to say they can, you're fronting, yo. You're fronting. You know, um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just like, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I have so much love and respect for John Byrne, man. I mean, even, you know, I, I that was, he was one of my first artist books I ever got, man. You talk artist, like, like, like portfolios and stuff. It's Wayne knows he's like, connects, collects those. John Byrne's like one of the first, first ones I ever got just because I, I actively searched for that guy. I mean, I actually searched for that at work, man. And um, yeah, man, just. Uh-oh, um, uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, put, uh-oh. Put it back up, you- yeah, put it back up. Go ahead. This, 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 uh, this one twenty five right yes, here. Yes, yo. This, uh, yeah. Yes, yo. Oh my God, yo. And let's, let's let's talk about let's talk about his 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 his, 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 his perception of energy. Like Kirby had the Kirby dots, but Burns, uh, but Burns flares of energy, man. The way Burn, the way Burns symbolized psi powers. Well, with, Psy, his psi blast. Oh my yeah. God, mm-hmm. Joe. Oh yeah. my God. The yeah. liquidity, yeah. liquidity and, 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 and formed it. Oh my God, Joe. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you're really talking about like Kirby, in terms of that kind of thing, you're talking about like Kirby's crackle or the Kirby dots. Right. You got Steve Ditko's wacky, psychedelic, Doctor Strange, you got his thing. Mm-hmm. Then, you, yeah. then you come to someone like a... Uh, 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 like what Byrne did, like you said, where it almost looks liquid and yeah, it looks it does it looks organic and it looks all consuming. You it know, was when yeah, it was like a blob. When, was... In Days of Future Past, when they do the fastball special and he throws Wolverine, yes, and then yeah. the, the Sentinel blasts him and it burns all the flesh <laughs> off of his body, and you see that metallic skeleton, <laughs> you felt like okay, a Wolverine ain't with us no more. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's it. When you saw the tear in Colossus' eye, yo, 
that that broke me, yo. That 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 in the in the, in the, in the fate of Phoenix show when when when, she, when Scott was holding for the last time, man. Yeah, yeah, and and you know when he left X Men and then eventually went and started writing and drawing the Fantastic Four, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, he's he's not gonna do it with the Fantastic Four, and then he did it with the Fantastic Four. Yes, yo. And then he left the Fantastic Four and left Marvel and went to DC, and then he did it with Superman. Yeah, yo. And it was like, damn. Yeah. Damn, yo. Damn. Yeah, yo. <laughs> Undeniable, sir. Undeniable. So yeah, so. it's like about t- ten years there where he was just the man. Yeah, yeah, the man. Yeah, you know? and and without him, without him, without his influence, there'd be, there'd be no Jim Lee. I agree. There there would be there, there'd be no Mark Silvestri. Yeah, there, yeah. There'd be no there'd be no Rob Liefeld. There there'd be no there'd be no Image Comics show. Yeah. So because all all mm-hmm. those guys were George Perez acolytes, John Byrne acolytes. Uh, Neil Adams, to a certain extent, acolytes, and then the other things that they brought in mm-hmm. uh, in terms of attitude. But yeah, really and truly, I mean, that's those were the comics that they grew up loving. Like that was they were John Byrne and George Perez were there. Jack Kirby's and John Buscema's, mm-hmm. you know, for the yeah. for the mm-hmm. for for a different a different generation. So yeah, you're exactly Absolutely. right. Absolutely, yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. So Swizz, that's my that's. It's up to you, my brother. What you got? Pass, pass, pass the mic to, to me. All right. All right. So I, I wanted to have someone on my Mount Rushmore who was a pure illustrator. Okay. Okay. That purely represented the illustration world. Okay. And uh, as much as I wanted to say somebody, you know, mention, add like a Gustav Klimt to the list, it was more important that the illustration piece be represented. And so... My number three is gonna be Robert McGinnis. Okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's another one where I feel like Robert McGinnis is he is a classic, I guess, Golden Age or Silver Age illustrator. I don't know which which uh, guard you would kind of put sil- him in. Silver. Silver I'll put Age. Him in silver. Yeah. But he mm-hmm. he for me he bridges between the old world and the new world. He bridges between the Howard Piles and the J.C. Landeckers and the Norman Rockwells mm-hmm. um, and, and the uh, and the well, I think he kind of precedes Drew Struzan to an to an, to a great extent. He does. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, he's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, he's in his nineties and still still kicking it. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. he's he's like he's like the uh, the creator of uh, of Star Blazers as you mentioned. Yeah. He's still he's okay. in his nineties. He's still around. So he preceded Drew Struzan by about twenty years. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. but um. He kind of bridges the world between that and the Frank Schoonovers and the Dulocks and um and 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 those folks into the Bob Peaks and the Richard Amsels mm. and the uh, mm. Uh, mm. the Mitchell Hookses and the uh, you know the the Drew Struzans and even going into Phil Noto in comics. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, the, there's no mm-hmm. Phil Noto that we that we know from like the early two thousands. You know, with the Birds of Prey and all, all the all the great stuff that he did back then mm-hmm. without Robert McGinnis. You know, those book yep. covers and those movie posters are classics. Mm-hmm. And um really were of a time where illustration was probably still getting shit on like it like it, it like it is today and like it always has been, mm-hmm. but where they really leaned hard on an illustrator to be able to add something to sell the book. 
to sell the album cover. Think about when artists used to draw and paint album covers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really doesn't happen mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so he kind of represents those worlds, known for those those beautiful, long-legged women, scantily clad in some cases, but always really sexy and gorgeous and 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 seductive. Um you never, I've never really seen a bad McGinnis painting. I've seen some that I like more mm-hmm. than others. Right. But I've never seen a bad one. I've never seen a bad McGinnis. And again, he just, he just, he, to me, he just, he kind of represents in between the two worlds and, uh, and just such a superb artist, just, um, just everything, just rock solid and just full of energy. Um, yeah, McGinnis is just absolutely one of my favorites. It's it's one of one of the last art books that I bought in the last ten years mm-hmm. that I really, 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 really adore, and just yeah. think, wow, you know, I'm so grateful to have this. Um, the only one that I I wish I had that I didn't pr- purchase, and I don't know why I did, was uh, Brushes with Greatness, the uh, the one that the uh, that the Fenners did on uh, Dave Stevens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, and it was a limited limited print run. And I, I, yeah. I didn't purchase it. And by the time I really got, oh, man, I need to get that. It was already like collector's prices. It was already like $300. And and and, and, and Swiss, the thing about that is I bought that from Oxford. They just had it hidden on a shelf. And it was cover price, like $39.99 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I had it for about a year before I sold it, you know, on eBay. And to your to your credit... That is one that I wanted a very, very few books that I regret selling myself, man. Mm. Like, damn. Yeah. Mm. It's like that. But passing the mic back to you for your number four and we'll, we'll wrap it up, eh? All right, cool, cool. All right, for my final um, and fourth face on my person, Mount Rushmore, it's obvious. You know, this is obvious. I'm surprised no one else has named it yet, or you guys may name him, you know, on your particular following fourth. It's going to be Jack Kirby. Okay. Like, the king. Like, just, man. Yeah. See, 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 I knew you, I knew, I knew you would, so that's why I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> but yeah, man, Kirby, he's just for me, it, when I first started collecting, I was an image kid. You know, I was very much an X-Men, Jim Lee type of guy. And so when I first encountered his work, uh Kirby's, I was just like, yeah, I don't know if I like this. Look at those fingers, look at the figures, I don't know. But once I got into the hobby and started reading the stories, in particular, I fell in love with his fourth world stuff. Mm-hmm. And to me, that remains, for my taste, the best Kirby period ever. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That 70s work, and in particular, his uh, fourth world mm-hmm. stuff. Forever people, you know? forever people, yeah. Mr. Miracle. Yes, all oh, new guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there, there are single issues of new guys that I'm not ashamed to admit, man, will bring a tear to my eye just by the power, mm-hmm. the sheer power. Mm-hmm. And I mean that, no hyperbole. Yeah, no. The sheer power of 
the imagery and the stories colluding together. You know, like New Gods number six, the glory boat. Oh, man. You kidding me? When they come out of the water or top that big missile thingy, you know, and light rays (laughs) arms are outstretched. And it's just like, ah, the power in that image. You want to talk about just something to where your heart swells and your mind is just expanding. You're just like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. look at this, Mm -hmm. you know. And then he follows that up with New Gods number seven, the pack. Showing like the origin of the war between Apocalypse and New Genesis. Yeah, man. And just yeah. the imagery in that. You're like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. And then New Guys number eight, the terrible fate of Lieutenant Turpin. Come on. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah. This is just ridiculous. Yeah. Just, man, he, over my collecting, I've read many, many comics as we all have. I mean, come on. You know, we've all read hundreds, if not thousands of comics, but those Kirby comics from the fourth world are, you know, probably some of the few that have actually gotten a tear from my eye or really made me exclaim every time I read them, you know, whether it's mentally or just out loud, just like, oh, my God, you know what I'm saying? Only Kirby can do that for me. You know what I'm saying? And just. Yeah, as it relates to me personally and my work, when I'm trying to draw, you know, um, uh, an image, you know, a science fiction image or something like that in that realm where I'm looking for the appropriate amount of power or whatnot, I think about the way Kirby infused those drawings of his with that same type of power. Pretty much so. You know what I'm saying? And I can only hope to approximate that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why he remains such an inspiration to me. I mean, here is this guy. He born in 1917, you know, comes through the slums of the lower east side of New York. You know what I'm saying? He's a veteran having fought in World War Two. You know what I'm saying? All of these things. And he's gone through such adversity that he just kept fighting. I mean, obviously, he was a comic artist before he went to war, mm-hmm, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, he created so many indelible characters. Yeah. He created Captain America. Yes, yo. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The first fucking Avenger, yo. What? Yes. <laughs> yes. And so much thereafter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It created the first Avenger before there was an Avenger. Right. You know like, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. In addition to actually creating the actual Avengers. Yeah, yeah. You know? And the language that he imbues with comics. Yeah, yeah. That's his language. Undeniable. That's his language. Yeah. Now, now others have contributed to the vocabulary, but he wrote the alphabet, you know, of comics. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And somewhere in the DNA of superhero comics, he's in there. I don't care how far you get from, you know, those Kirby comics. He's in there. I don't care who you are. He is. He's in Undeniable. there. Undeniable. Yes. Absolutely. And, 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 Absolutely. And, and to say, if you say he's not, you're fronting. You know, you know your history. Go back and read your history. You're fronting, yo. <laughs> you dead ass fronting. Stop no. lying. That's it. That's it. I am. Go ask my mother. That's it. That's it. And if you front on Kirby, you can't be your brother. <laughs> yeah, and you don't stop. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. 
So yeah, that's my fourth one. That's, a, that's yeah, awesome. Kirby, I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad when you guys brought the light, man. I, I, I was going to. I said no. I know Adrian's going. I know he's going to have that one. Adrian Swain's going to hit those guys. So I didn't. Yeah. I didn't put him up there and, like and, that. And, yo. and hit it appropriately, yo. Hit it. Hit it appropriately. Yo. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. long as Adrian can, bro. Put shine on it and spit on it, yo. Um. So. Mm. This one was kind of hard because I I didn't know how I was going to approach it because there's so many things I could do with it. Mm-hmm. And I, actually, I. I, I went deeper into who it actually really was. And I was surprised myself by who it really was. It wasn't who I thought that it who I thought it was. So I'm talking about inside the famous, infamous George Lucas franchise on the Star Wars, there's three individuals which meant a lot as far as creativity goes. One, of course, we know is the now deceased Ralph McQuarrie, which I loved, yo. Absolutely loved, yo. He was my man. But then I realized with my fascination for spaceships and design and for creation of those those kinds of things and, and, and the elements used the 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 assets, if you will, that are used to, to make to propel these stories forward, it wasn't always him. And I realized, okay, this guy got played short shrift by George Lucas because of some, of some things went down in the first episode, didn't go off the way he wanted to. I'm talking about John Dykstra, yo. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going somewhere else. Okay. He, he's my he's he's my DNA, yo. He's my because I, when, I, when I look at okay now did now did he do Star Wars justice in terms of framing it and making those those, those spatial things believable and and had that special Dykstra cam that he had for 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 the Star Wars that made it made it the the, the parallax and things like that work so well. He also did one of my favorite series of all time, the original, the OG Battlestar Galactica, yo. Oh, okay. If if it weren't for him, that shit wouldn't exist. Mm. So you know he took he took he took. He took like his opportunity to take a shot beyond, you know, Lucas beyond Lucas film and beyond the the Skywalker, Skywalker Ranch back then. It was just the, um, I guess, it was the, the fledgling ILM to to do his own thing and, and make and make it make his own way, man. After he, after he, after he, him and George had a bit of of a, of a falling out, mm-hmm. so I admire that, man. I admire I admire the ability of artists to continue to forge on in their own to do their own thing in spite of conditions that may present themselves to you. So I feel like that's part of who I am in terms of, uh, in terms of creator. I may have collabed with certain individuals in the past and things that work out the way I wanted to, but I'm still doing me, mm. you know, mm. and, I, and I'm doing, and I'm, and I'm, I'm creating ships because spaceships are just in my damn DNA. I just, I just, I, you know, that's, I create, that's what I do. You know what I mean? So John Dykstra, man, um, he's definitely an artist that, that uh, of merit that, um, left a, a indelible impression on me, man. So, mm. Mm. man, that that was actually totally unexpected, Joe. I thought you were you were leading to Joe Johnston. I thought, yeah, well, see, that, that, was, that was the thing, man. It was, it was there's three of men there that they're, 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 they're really, really did, did awesome or profound things for Star Wars. It was it was Joe Johnston, it was Ralph McQuarrie, and it was it was it was Dykstra. We don't look at what the, the prolonged effect that Dykstra had in terms of the believability of the ships and the, and the, I could walk inside of them and the paneling and things like that. Damn, that was Dykstra. That wasn't that wasn't Joe and mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 Ralph. You know, Ralph is great for the characters. Ralph is the iconic design of a C three PO, Darth Vader, and an R two D two, no doubt. But I mean, but he, he's not he's not the overall you know scope of the of the, of the franchise and design. So mm. I was I was waiting on Macquarie's name to come up. That's who I thought you were angling for at first. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you said you were going somewhere else, that I was thinking the same thing Adrian was. I was like, okay, like Joe Johnson or mm-hmm. uh uh not Dykstra, there's another another guy that I remember seeing on the uh, the ILM documentary and I was and I remember thinking, Oh, okay. Um he's the one who went on to do Dragon Slayer. What's his name? Oh 
not 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 Phil Tippett. No, not, not Tippett. Not um. I don't think it's Tippett. No, I'm even thinking about it. It's um um. Oh, what's his name? He's got a he's got a, he's got a pie face with his glasses. Yeah. 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 Um, Dennis Murin. That's it. Dennis Murin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't know where you were going with it, but yeah, man. Um, and I like the fact that you took this really seriously, D, because. It could have been very easily you just go back to like some familiar go tos and it's just like, OK, this is where it is. But like you said, you know, you wanted to go back and be true to what is what really drew me in? What really mm-hmm. am I connecting with mm-hmm. and, and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and it's funny. I mentioned I mentioned the movie Dragon Slayer. My number four is going to be the person who painted the, the movie poster for Dragon Slayer, which is none other than the late, great Jeff Jones, Jeffrey Jones. Oh. Mm, yes, there you yo. go. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, see, that, yeah. I, there yeah, you yeah, go. There it is. <laughs> so, um, and so my list is not very surprising, except maybe for McGinnis. But uh, for years and years, I, I would describe Jeffrey Jones as my favorite living painter until she passed away, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some time ago. But um, again, instantly saw the work, instantly had to have more. Mm hmm instantly hunted down everything that I could afford to buy every eerie magazine, creepy magazine, every heavy metal I Age, mm. uh, every black and white, the, uh, the wonder woman cover with the uh, executioner on it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just every book cover I could find going to book nook and going through the used book cover section yes, for the yeah. fantasy and sci-fi books and looking at every, cause there's no, there's no internet. Yeah. There's no internet to look these things up. There's no price guide that lists and says, oh, Jeffrey Jones painted this, 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 and this. You just had to go to the bookstore and you just had to look until you found them. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> and I remember, um, exactly, exactly. You oh, know, the studio. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jeff Jones yeah. gets me to the studio, you know, with, you know, Mike Kaluta and, and Bernie Wrightson and, and, and uh, Barry Windsor Smith. Sir. But yeah. I remember when we did the, uh, the episode talking about cover art and comics. With uh with Mark Shirillo and with George Pratt mm-hmm. and George Pratt and I had a moment while we were recording that conversation mm-hmm. where we were talking about going to the bookstore and looking at every book cover until you found the Jeff Jones book covers, and I got so good at it. He said he said the same thing. That's what that's what threw me. I got so good at looking at the spine of the cover. I could tell by the spine if it was Jones. I didn't even have to look at the whole cover. Right, right. <laughs> I could look at the the brush strokes and the quality and, and the color choices in the spine and say, that's not Jones. That's not Jones. Uh, that could be. That's not Jones. That's not Jones. That's not Jones. And that could be. And I would. I might have even been on the bus. Wow. Riding the book nook, you know, once or twice a month. And I'd spend hours in there. And they, you know, and they'd be, are you still here? And I, yeah, I'm still here. Right. And I'm just, I'm just looking. Until I bought as many <laughs> as many of them as I could, I did the same thing with Howard Chaykin. When Howard Chaykin left comics, I think he got ran out mm. by Jim Shooter, didn't he? Yes, mm-hmm. pretty much. He, he never. I think he never <laughs> says it in that way, but that's essentially what it was. He kind of ran out by Jim Shooter, right? And he went. He yeah. started painting book covers, and I remember I went and got all those book covers that I could find of his sci-fi westerns and and all kinds of weird stuff. And I was like, okay. And I go through every book cover until until I found the ones that he did, and and I purchased them. Because that was the only way you could have them. But Jeff Jones has been my favorite painter and still remains to this day to be my favorite painter. Um, there is a an honesty and an openness mm-hmm. in his paintings. There is a uh, a provocative nature to the subject matter. Yeah. Um, he paints 
I don't know. It's it's hard for me to put put it into words. When we went to Spectrum, when we went to Spectrum Fantastic Art Live the very first year, and they had some original Jeff Jones paintings there, and I I, I teared up standing in front of the uh, the one with the vampire. I teared mm-hmm. up in front of it because mm-hmm. I could I could touch it. Mm-hmm. I could touch the pigments. Wow. I could mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. Jeff was here, and now I'm here, mm-hmm. and so now we're both here. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just a marvelous, marvelous experience to be able to see the work in person. And also his uh, art agent, I think his name was Robert Weiner. I forget his art agent's name, but he, he, and, he and Jeff were friends for years before Jeff passed. And he was his art agent. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was talking with him about uh, Jeff's transition from Jeffrey Jones to Jeffrey Catherine Jones. Mm-hmm. And he said he was talking to Jeff about that. And he's like, well, what are, you know, what should I how should I refer to you? You know, I've known you as Jeff for years. And he said, I'm still Jeff. You can still call me Jeff. I'm, you know, this is what we, how, how we know each other and how we relate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can, you can call me Jeff. It's fine. You know? Um, but you know, Jeff Jones, you know, gets me to George Pratt and to Kent Williams mm-hmm. and, you know, and then Kent Williams gets me to other people like Jason, Sean Alexander. Oof. Uh, Jeff gets me to John J. Muth. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he gets me back to N.C. Wyatt. There was a period there in the 80s where he was painting uh, uh, his paint, paint, his mark making was very much in the spirit of N.C. Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Those old uh, mm-hmm. uh, Treasure Island covers and, and Robin Hood covers that N.C. Wyatt painted back in the day. Jeff's paintings in the 80s resembled that. That Black Knight and some of the other ones that he did. Um, he gets me to Phil Hale. You don't really get a Phil Hale without Jeff Jones. You, you don't, don't really get a John John Foster or Rick Barry without Kent Jeff Williams. Jones. No Kent Williams. No none of that. Bro. No Kent Williams. You know yeah. none of that. I mean, I'm not saying that they wouldn't be artists and they wouldn't exist and they wouldn't be great. Right. But you know, he definitely built a church that they're all praying in and they're mm-hmm. all worshiping in. Mm. Yeah. To 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 read the studio, man, is it should be a must for all upcoming artists to take mark making very serious, man. To look through that. To look through that. That that is a masterwork beyond beyond all approach, man. I mean, you go through there, you see, you see these guys at the peak of their craft. They're only together for a short amount of time, man. And and these guys, they, they, they less, mm-hmm. less than two years, less, less than, than two, two years, less than two years, man. It's like wow, mm-hmm. these guys came together, man, they, and they, they they did the damn thing, man. They were they were commercially viable, uh, um, uh, interesting interesting uh, individuals on their own right. I mean, I didn't meet I didn't mention one of my one of my one of my favorite artists of all time, you know. And I guess I I mean I. I I guess if we can end it here, whatever the case may be. But I was uh, Bernie Wrightson is on my list, man. But he, but he didn't. But Bernie's not part of my DNA. He is, but then he's Bernie. Bernie is fringe DNA, but he's not. He's not active DNA. You know, right? There's an appreciation there more so than right that touching your core, so to speak. Right, because it was between Bernie and 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 Jim Starlin, and I realized it was Jim Starlin's work that 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 that, that, that pushed me where I wanted to go. Clearly, yeah, did. clearly, mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah, I uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, and I think, you know, like you're talking about the studio, Dwight. The studio to me and Jeff Jones made me think about art beyond commercial art, mm-hmm. made me think about art beyond, you know, design, like, you know, concept art, which wasn't even a term back then. Um, but it made me think about art as fine art, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm painting for me. And people are responding to it, you know, you know, um, anyway, it just anyway. So Jeff Jones would be the, the, the number four on uh, on my personal Mount Rushmore 
of artists. Um, and I, I could have started. I started with him. He was the first one on the list. I knew right. he was going right. to be on there. Right, right, right. I knew Jeff. I knew Jeff would be there. But um, and I'm going back and forth with the pronouns. But um, I'm in my feelings, so I can't help it. <laughs> For sure. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.